All right. Matthew 23, verse 1. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of the time. They were called Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm setting the stage a bit for you all so you have a, a clear understanding of what's happening, right? So Jesus is talking to religious leaders. A lot of them didn't like Jesus in large part uh, because he was too popular for them, right? He took away from their following, their followers, right, because he spoke with such authority that people thought that, you know, Jesus was a bigger deal, basically, than the teacher of religious law. Uh, it'd be kind of like liking it to someone being mad because somebody else has more Twitter followers than they do, so they're jealous about it. That's literally what it was. It actually says so in the Word of God. They were just jealous of him and jealous of his following. And um, the other thing about them, another thing to notice, and Jesus gets into this in this passage, is that a big part of the reason why these religious leaders liked to be in the position that they were in is that they knew that they would receive a certain level of adulation from um, their fellow Jews. The crowds would give them honor and bow low before them and speak highly of them. They had a certain level of esteem and, and power, if you will, in society, and that's really what drove them. It, it wasn't so much a love for God. And Jesus knew that. He calls them out on it, but I want you to hear the language used here. It's really, really colorful, powerful, um, convicting in the same sense. But let's take a look. It says, Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, Then he said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the Scripture. So practice and obey whatever they say to you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush you with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to help ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear extra-long tassels on their robes. And how they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and the most prominent seats at the synagogue. They enjoy the attention they get on the streets, and they enjoy being called rabbi. But don't ever let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and all of you are on the same level as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your spiritual father. And don't let anyone call you master, for there is only one master, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. How terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you won't let others enter the kingdom of heaven, and you won't go in yourselves. Yes, how terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, for you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn him into twice the son of hell as you yourselves are. I'll pause there for a second and unpack some of that. I read it in such a way that would give you hopefully some sense of how agitated Jesus was. I can assure you he wasn't speaking in a calm monotone when he was saying this. He was pretty ticked off, for lack of a better term, speaking to the religious leaders because they were supposed to be leading the people properly, and in his opinion, they weren't doing so. Um, a couple of things to speak through here. A couple of things to speak through. The obvious point is the fact that Jesus wasn't a big fan of the teacher of religious law on the basis of their hypocrisy, which was calling for people to live lives a certain way, but then not actually practicing what they preach. That was a big part of it calling for people to love God and to love God because he's deserving and worthy of praise. But then in reality, they were hypocritical because they were saying people should love God, but they themselves didn't really love God. They just 
loved the attention they got for being some of the most prominent people in society. She just didn't like that. That's important to note. Um, the one comment I'd like to make is, and I think this is part of really what should be one of the main takeaways for you all here, is that we should also not be hypocritical by looking at the Pharisees and thinking what terrible people they were, because instead we should be looking at our own lives and thinking, in what areas am I maybe not practicing what I teach? Something I have to think about a lot myself, even as a pastor, right, is what are things I say we should do or that you should do or that we all should be doing that I'm not even doing myself? And if so, <clears throat> I need to be real about that and make adjustments accordingly. Now, most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, will have had a certain point in life where we realize that we were hypocritical in one way or the other, especially when it comes to the things of God, because the standards are so high that it's easy to not be living up to them all. But if you're espousing them all, then you need to ensure that you're living up to them. And so I don't say this to condemn anybody, but hopefully to convict some hearts and to remind us all that it's worth the while for us to evaluate ourselves. As the scripture says, literally it says, to evaluate yourself, take a measure of yourself and address things accordingly and make the right decisions on the basis of that and make adjustments as, as need be. So that's one thing I wanted to point out to you. The second is verse 4, which is very interesting, where it says, they crush you with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to help ease the burden. That speaks a lot to the heart of God. See, what he's referring to here is the fact that there were 633 laws that the religious leaders had placed upon the people. The Lord gave Moses ten commandments at Mount Sinai. The religious leaders extrapolated that out to 633 laws. Then Jesus took that and he boiled it down to just two. Love the Lord, your God, all your, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. So Jesus is saying, my heart posture is such that I want to lessen the load for people. I don't want people to walk around all day thinking about a, a bunch of arbitrary and just completely ridiculous laws that they have to be adhering to all the time. I want to lessen the load. And you don't care about that. You just want to burden everybody with more and more rules and regulations. And you don't care if it's impossible for people to stick to those standards. You don't care if nobody can do it. You just want to um, force people to feel burdened. And um, that says a lot about Christ. It says a lot about the way Jesus is wired and is still wired, that he cares about finding ways to make life more tenable for you or to make it easier for you is another way of putting it. He doesn't look at your life and think to himself, wow, Joe Schmo really, really stinks at being a Christian. He doesn't get it. That's just too bad for him. He looks at these things and he says, what are some ways that I can lessen the load, take a weight off that person's shoulders, make it a little bit easier to live the life? Because the rules that Jesus is referring to here, these religious demands, are, for all intents and purposes, meant to be demands that lead people to live a godlier life. It's not like the rules were inherently sinful, for example. They were meant to point people towards God. And in fact, a lot of them weren't necessarily bad rules. It's just that when you... If all you have is rules and you're never, ever doing anything to scale back the rules, even if it's going to help someone, then your heart's not in the right place. And that's what Jesus was picking up on there. So it's important for us to, to remember that about Christ. Um, some of you might be having a hard time sort of 
living up to God's standards. That's really what I'm trying to get to, right? All of the things I've set up until now really to make this point, which is that oftentimes as a, I come across people who are struggling to live up to the standards of, of Christ, struggling to like basically be godly enough in their own view or struggling to, you know, ensure that they're doing all the things the Bible says they should be doing. Jesus understands that and is willing to, even on a case-by-case basis, meaning as it relates to your specific life, he will find ways to ease the burden. I don't know exactly what he'll do for you, but I know what he's done for me. I know what he's done for other people. I know that he does take a vested interest in finding ways to make it easier for you to live the life that he wants you to live. He's not just going to stand back and say, well, if you can't do it, you know, stinks to be you. Um, and that's all that there is to say about that. He will do things um, to, to ease the burden. And that's what God did in even sending Christ to die. We couldn't live up to his standards. And he said, let me make it easier. If you just accept my son, Jesus Christ, and you profess the amount that he's Lord and Savior, you're saved. And if you try your best after that point to live for me and you've been continuing to profess Christ, you're saved. That's it. All right, so you see the heart of God in that regard. I just wanted to point that out. Now, the third and final point I'll make about what we've read thus far is this. It says here in the Word, don't ever let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and you're on the same level as your brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father. Now, the crux of what Jesus is saying is don't fall in love with titles, realistically for people, right? So that may come as a surprise because especially in churches, we have the titles for everything. We have pastors, you know, I'm Pastor Tim and there can be a deacon so-and-so and there can be a bishop so-and-so and then in the Catholic Church, we have father this and father that. And so, you know, it kind of seems to run counter to um, what Jesus is saying here, which is don't be, you know, overly worried about titles because when people are so caught up in titles, it kind of shifts them away from God. Now, admittedly, some of the titling that you see in the church is for the purpose of just allowing people to delineate between the various roles that somebody may have within the body of Christ. So saying this is Father Jonathan, for example, if you're in a Catholic church, could potentially just be, it helps the person, well, that person is the the priest, right? That's, That's kind of the point. But the bottom line, though, is that Jesus is trying to get us to understand that we shouldn't be obsessed with titles. And he takes it a step further by then saying, people who are humble will be exalted, and those who try to exalt themselves will be humbled. And so his point, basically, from verse 8 down through to verse 12 is humility is, is the key. Humility is the key. Don't worry about the titles. If someone gives you one, you know, so be it. Let them call you what they want to call you. But don't let that be the driving force behind why you are doing something. It shouldn't be for the purpose of having a fancy title. I just wanted to, to state that for you all. Um, and I think that just finally, the final point I'll make, if you look at verse 15 here, it, it can't be missed, that Jesus really had a problem with the leaders of religious law and actually accused them of when they would go to convert somebody, making them, and I quote, twice the son of hell as you yourselves are. So I think that's important because 
what Jesus is essentially saying there is that these related teachers of religious law were literally the antithesis of what a godly person is. They call them sons of hell, which is which is worse than just saying you guys are like pretty bad or you guys are sinners. I mean, you saying you guys are like the worst kinds of sinners in in a lot of ways. And why were they that? Right? Like why what what was it about them that made Jesus say such a harsh thing about them? Realistically, um they were they were just arrogant and hypocritical and uninterested in helping people. Now, those three characteristics, for example, may not seem so bad to us to a certain extent. Like some of you may have even heard me say that and say, well, that's not good, but it's not really like that bad. Basically. It's not like Jesus was saying like you guys are a bunch of, you know, murderers or an adulterers or something like that. He's really just saying you guys are, you know, kind of arrogant, kind of conceited, not that humble, uh, care about titles, and um, don't really help people and to, to make life easier for them. And that was such a big deal to Jesus that he was very angry. I mean, he called them, you know, he basically referred to them in very, very dis- you know, unfavorable terms. So I feel that just to emphasize how important this is to, to Christ. You know, the Pharisees weren't out here committing high crimes necessarily. And Jesus called them sons of hell on the basis of them not being humble, not wanting to help people, and being caring too much about titles and being hypocritical. If that's enough for Jesus to make such a um, big claim about them and to criticize them so severely, then it should give us pause to sort of think about our lives and reevaluate and ensure that we aren't exhibiting the same kind of behaviors as the Pharisees that we can end up being okay ourselves. You know, it's not just, um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a felony. You don't have to be performing felonies out here for G- Jesus to think that, you know, you, you're, our lives are really out of whack. So I say that just as, you know, just as, as something to, to get us to think. I think it's important for us to look at the entire word of God. Um, it's easy for me to get up here and just preach a word about, you know, how God wants to bless you and make you a millionaire or something. But realistically, the Bible teaches much more substantive things than that. And... First of all, if I would have said that to you, that would have been a lie. <laughs> like, God wants to make everyone a millionaire. But um, on top of that, um, my point is that just preaching on prosperity is not the, you know, not the, not the way. We have to look at the entire word of God and understand what, what, what made the Lord our God happy and what moved his heart and also understand what upsets them and is considered by him to be, you know, um, not good. So just wanted to say all that. Um, and I want to pray. Uh, on that, on that, on that talking point, um, that the Lord will help each and every one of us to uh, be true followers, to be true followers, and to uh, live in a, in a lifestyle that He'll approve of. Because it's the most important thing I can we can ever pray, realistically, folks. Right? We can pray about God blessing our workplace, and we can pray about God, you know, giving us a spouse, and we can pray about like whatever else you want to pray about. Right? But at the end of the day, the Lord's not pleased with your life. It doesn't make any difference. Like I could pray that you all become billionaires and you could do it tomorrow and it would be nothing. But at the end of the day, he's not approving our, our lifestyle. So let's pray about the things that actually matter most and hope and pray and believe that God will do something about that first and foremost. Um, Heavenly Father, we we just pray right now, Lord God, that you will, will bless um, your children by allowing us, Lord God, to see where we need to make adjustments in our lives. We pray 
not that any of us will, will leave here feeling condemned. We come against every spirit of condemnation because none of us should go around our days feeling condemned. That's not the purpose of why you included scriptures like what we just read from uh, Matthew 20, 23. But, Father, we do know you want us to evaluate ourselves and think of ways that we can live a life that pleases you. And so we ask you, Father, uh, to help us in doing that. Help us to find you, to do what pleases you, to uh, be one with you. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we have prayed. And uh, amen. All right. And with that being said, this is the time of the day where we want to take your prayer request um, or if anybody has a testimony. Hit star five if you want to raise a hand with a prayer request. If you have a prayer request in any way, shape, or form, you want to raise a hand for that, um, definitely hit star five. Um, hit star five now if you if you have a prayer request, and we'll get to that. Um, if we don't get any hands up, what we'll end up doing is basically um, we will um, just close the prayers of protection over us all. We often read, you know, Psalm 91 um, before we sort of get uh, get rolling on that. And so um, before we close, rather, um, we will we'll read Psalm 91. Um, but uh, the most important thing we can ever, ever ask is just for God to um, continue to protect us, our hearts, minds, um, body, soul. So we'll pray and close with that with that thought. But again, I don't see any hands up right now. If anyone does have a prayer request, hit star five. Um, and we'll get to that prayer request, and then we'll be able to move forward. Um, but um, in lieu of that, uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your children. We ask you, Father, you protect all of your children. Right now, Lord God, even if people haven't individually looked up prayer requests, Lord God, we know that everyone has things on their hearts and on their minds. Um, we pray, Heavenly Father, you would just guard them and protect them right now. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ, we ask, Heavenly Father, that you uh, would lift them up, Lord God, that you would prosper them. And Heavenly Father, you would protect their households. In Jesus' mighty name, and amen. I want to go to a couple of hands I did see up. Um, See if we can get to some of those those hands and spend a bit, uh, couple of seconds uh, hearing what you have in terms of your prayer request. So let's start with Irma. Irma, how can we pray for you? Hello. Hey, Irma, can you hear us? We can hear you now, Irma. Okay. Oh, actually, Irma, Irma, you sound kind of you sound kind of low on on the line. It might be you're far away from your phone. Uh, is that better? It's better, yeah. Okay. I'm a Christian pastor. My sister-in-law's nephew, his name is Russell. He had a heart attack. So I'm requesting prayer for him. Yeah, your sister-in-law's nephew. What would you say the name was? It sounded it cut out a bit there. His name. His name is Russell. Oh, Russell. Russell. Yeah, we'll look yeah. him up right now. Um. Okay. Heavenly Father, we just want to lift up Russell, um, who suffered this heart attack. Father, we know that, you know, a heart attack can obviously be, you know, scary. It's a very serious condition, but nothing that you can't solve or fix. We just pray that Russell will be fully and completely restored. That Russell's heart is in good stead, that you are protecting uh, Russell, his whole entire family. We pray, Father, you would, that you would bless um, Russell even right now in Jesus' mighty name. We pray that, you know, his arteries and the blood flowing through his heart would be um, completely and totally, Lord God, I'm um, just healed, uh, that there would be no issues there. We pray that Russell will uh, live a long life in the land, that there be no 
long-term complications from this heart attack, that the pain he suffered uh, was short and temporary and will not persist. Uh, we honor you, Lord God, because we know you're going to do all of this. In the mighty and precious name of Christ, our Father, we thank you, Father, for you are good. Um, and in Jesus' mighty name, we just want to thank you, God, for protecting uh, our brother Russell. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, we have prayed and amen. All right, I want to thank you, sister, for lifting that prayer item up. Amen. All right. I'm going to go to um, Barbara in California and see if what uh, how we can pray for her as well. And um, Barbara, if you could take a you take a couple of seconds to also share with us what your prayer request is, that'd be great. I'm just calling uh, for prayer requests for this nation. It's just like things are not good, and uh, from what I hear and stuff like that, we just pray yeah. for just the turn the yeah. turnaround, just the shift that that I hear in, in prophecy, and just pray for. Yeah. Um, you know, how it's going to affect the other sides of the nation and, and all that. And just pray yeah. that the, the Lord will move through this. And just pray that um, I did reach as far as the situation with my uh, reading glasses. I did see the ophthalmologist in uh, mm-hmm. December. But they're trying to get me to wait a little bit longer. But my eyes have been struggling. And I need to call the mm-hmm. optometry tomorrow. And just pray that uh, they could make a way for me because they're trying to help me now because I've been struggling way too long with that. And just pray for the battles that I've been facing. Just uh, mm-hmm. juice those. Just you know the Texas somebody's been bothering me with, and just mm-hmm. that I could get more rest. And just the yep, yep. No, continue. Keep going, sister. But myself too much to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So you just pray over that. Yeah, we can cover all of that. You know, what I mean, that's not a problem at all. Um, we can definitely cover all of that, Barbara. Um, Heavenly Father, we lift up our our daughter, your daughter, our sister, Barbara. Um, We just pray, Heavenly Father, first and foremost, that you protect her, um, keeping her safe, healing her in her her eyes. Uh, Lord God, we know there have been some complications there and and challenges working with the doctors. Lord God, we just pray you would heal uh, Barbara totally and completely and bring resolution very swiftly to the situation involving her eyesight, Lord. We also pray that more broadly, you protect Barbara with regard to um, any challenges and battles she's been going through of late uh, in the short term. We pray that you would just uh, guard and protect her, Lord God, just help her to skip through that, that every attack of the enemy will be thwarted, Lord God. You will incinerate every single force and consume every single spirit working against her, bring her total, complete restoration, mind, body, and soul. We also just pray, Lord God, as we did earlier for the state of the nation, Turn things around. Let there be a healing in the country, a suturing of wounds, Lord God, and let there be a knitting together of the fabric of this nation again, Lord God, that we would all um, be able to work in unison. Father, we love you. We trust you. We honor you. And we lift you up in the mighty and precious name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. We have prayed in Jesus' mighty name. And amen. All right. Thank you so much, Barbara. I'm going to go to another hand up we have from Victor. What's up, Vic? Yeah, Pastor Tim. I want to pray for pray for me. I want the Boaz anointing to come upon me. Mm-hmm. The Boaz anointing. I love that. Yeah, man. Yep. Boaz was, was blessed. Let's lift that up. Heavenly Father, we just want to pray that Victor would receive a special anointing, the Boaz anointing, Lord, uh, that he would be a man always of esteem in his community, that he would be a man of influence in his community, that he would be a man 
Lord God, who has the uh, the resources, even financially, Lord God, to be a blessing to others in this community, um, that he would be a man of integrity as Boaz was um, within his life and within his community. We pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, you would do um, this great work in his life, Lord God, that he would be a man of fairness and justness as Boaz was uh, in his day and age. Lord God, we just pray, Father, that you, oh Lord God, would touch Victor's heart, make his heart soft and and, and make his heart um, uh, continue to be, you know, geared towards things that are of a good report, things that are godly. Thank you, As Boaz's heart was, Lord God. We just pray, Father, that there be a merited favor, Lord God. Some of it should be merited, of course, but some of it unmerited, Lord. Just bless him. Bless him beyond his wildest dreams and anticipation. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, we have prayed, O oh Lord, and amen. Amen. Lord. Amen. Pastor, yeah, my heart is soft right now. When you said that, my heart started going. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, Thank you, Jesus. I love it, man. Thank yeah. Jesus, man. Thank Vic. Thank you, Vic. Um, but let me close this up right quick with a, a prayer of protection over you all. Heavenly Father, thank you for your children. Lord God, just guard us, Father. We need you. We need you, Jesus. We can't do this without you. Bless us. Protect us from the evil one. Guard our hearts and our minds. Guide us, Father. May our families be safe. May our households be safe. Let no temptation harm us in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Let us stand firm in love and enjoy this godly lifestyle you've given us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.